0: Hello and you're very welcome to episode 30 of season 2 of the Two Hands in a Hero podcast. I'm your host uh, Robbie Mansfield and I'm joined by uh, Mr. TJ Mills. How's it going, TJ? Uh,
1: not too bad, Robbie. And yourself?
0: Asher Grant, Just uh, fresh after the old bank holiday weekend. We're a bit, we're a bit late with the episode uh, this week, so uh, we have to have the bank holiday. We have to enjoy the bank holiday, let me know.
1: Yeah, I I won't lie. It's strange. August bank holiday would be one that to be on a two-day session i think it's yeah. the quietest one i ever had except for last year i mean obviously last year was but uh yeah no hopefully we would be back to some sort of normality i think the next one's november is it
0: yeah i think uh it's like the or the halloween one yeah so it's one after halloween or usually around that isn't
1: it yeah and there's some frightening sights around then, anyway so uh it kind of matters.
0: very good Cool, so we'll, we'll kick off, uh, we'll go straight to the hurling, uh, so we'll, just, we'll do a quick review of the, the games over the weekend there, so we'll start with uh, the more interesting game, which was uh, the Waterford and Tipperary game, and there's absolutely savage scoring in that, it was uh, both teams put up a massive score, uh, what did you think of the game, Teach?
1: Um, sorry, the sound went on me there, Robbie um
0: just the war for Tipperary game what odd for
1: Tipperary. sorry, yeah, um, yeah, no, it was a real cracker of a game. it just I think Tipperary are a bit legged um they're they're an absolute fabulous team, and unfortunately, Kilkenny were on the wrong end of them, but I think it maybe it ended the road for some of the players um and being honest they own not into the Tipperary Jersey. What I'm really impressed with is the way Watford bounced back. I mean, they were really disappointing against Clare the first day out. And then they had a real tough test against Leash now. And I mean, Leash led after about, what, 50 minutes of that game. And then they had a good win um, the last day against, i trying to think, was it Clare? Um, I know I'm wrong, I'm mixing it up, am I? Um
0: Um Galway the bet the last day one. Oh
1: Galway. Galway, sorry, I knew I was mixing it up. Uh, Good win against Galway and then Tipperary, I mean um two teams that won Doll Ireland in the past three year, three, four year. So yeah, I mean they will really put it up to Limerick this coming Saturday and um yeah, I mean Limerick could be red hot favourites, but Waterford really have nothing to fear, and um, I think when Tipperary are looking for a new manager again, they'd be really knocking on Liam Cal's door this year or uh, the next time because what he's after doing with Waterford the past couple of years is phenomenal. Now,
0: would you say Waterford are the second best team in the country? Obviously, we, we all know Limerick are pretty far and away the best, but on current form, are Waterford uh, playing themselves into that second place spot? Well,
1: it's it's a tough one. I won't lie to you because you'd have to look. And I'm not just saying it biasly here. I mean, Kilkenny are undefeated throughout the year. But on form at the moment, yeah, you'd re- Watford would be really up there. Um, now, that could completely change the weekend for Kilkenny and uh, for Watford. But, um, yeah, I mean, on form at the moment... I definitely wouldn't want to face the Sedatia. Really wouldn't. And I mean, they showed the character they had in Dollar and semi-final last year. They were really put to the pin of their collar against Kilkenny. The way they bounced back in the second half. And the way they're after bouncing back in, you could say, the second half of this season. After I was saying a disappointing display in the league and then against Clare as well. So, yeah, on form, I, I'd nearly rate them up there at the top. I won't lie to you, nearly the way they bounce back I'd nearly have them ahead of Limerick on form, but will they beat Limerick on Saturday? It's going to be a big, big task, but I think they're more than up for it
0: Yeah, and uh, what did you think of the the Dublin game Dublin Cork? Um, Me and myself as a Dublin fan, Dublin had a lot of a lot of wides and a lot of uh, wasted opportunities. And uh, Cork, they were very clinical, took their goals very well. Um, what did you think of that game?
1: Yeah, I I think it was kind of a Dublin never really bounced back from the, the crisis before the <clears throat> Leinster final. Now, I, I, maybe crisis is an extreme term, but I mean the disruption due to the COVID cases and... I mean, even even though it's a few weeks, everyone knows you have to isolate for two weeks. And I don't think they really recovered from that disruption. Um, Cork, they're just so hit and miss. I mean, on their day, they, you could class them as unbeatable. And I mean, with the run of form they have, you, you will kind of have to fear them as a Kilkenny supporter. I mean, if the if Cork show up at all, as I say, and not to be repeating, on their day, they will beat anyone. And um, it's just a matter of getting the consistency there. Um, but not overshadowing the Cork win, I just don't think Dublin really recovered from the disruption before the Leinster final. No matter what preparation you do or whatever, it did kind of unsettle things. And that's not an excuse because... Every team has a real big strong panel, but um, yeah, great credit Cork and they will be hard stop. Hopefully we can do it on Sunday night.
0: Yeah. So speaking of that uh, cork County game, um, it's probably one of the oldest rivalries in in Harlan. It goes back to the right at the start of the GAA. Uh, I was just looking up, surprisingly, they've only played each other uh, 28 times in the championship. And uh Kilkenny have the better record and they've meet, they've played each other in twenty four finals, which uh probably explains the the fierceness of the rivalry. Um so how do you are you kind of saying you're you're hoping Kilkenny can can win, but um how if Cork were to beat Kilkenny, uh what do you think they'd have to do really well to uh to beat the Cats?
1: Uh, I was chatting to um, one of the trainers um, with the team I'm involved with this evening and we're just chatting about the game, the usual banter and slagging and from the Cork perspective they're worrying will they be able to match the Kilkenny physicality Um no matter what whether Kilkenny has a young side out they all play to the same um, him sheet in other words Um they all they're all there for the heat of the battle and they're able to bring a physicality to it. Um, if Cork are able to match that and it comes to a shootout, it'd be very hard to stop them. Really would. It could be a repeat of the, the quarter final in 2013 where Cork won on the shootout and uh, Kilkenny were found lacking on that day. Um, if it goes down to a couple of years ago where Cork don't show up and they show too much respect to Kilkenny. That might sound funny with the rivalry that are there, but a few times Cork showed up and they showed too much respect to Kilkenny. And if they do that, well, maybe it could be an easy victory for Kilkenny. Um, if I was to bet my house on it, I'd say it'd be a real tight, tense battle. It will be high scoring, um, I don't know uh, I, if I was looking at it as a neutral I'd give Kilkenny Dej I won't lie um, it's just the Cody factor there I mean um, the days where Cork had Dej over Kilkenny under Cody they're gone and Cork haven't really recovered since they has one victory in the championship since 2005 now Stan corrected on that, but I think the last victory for Cork in the, other than the quarter final in twenty thirteen. Sorry, the last they only had one victory. Sorry, I'm mixing my words up here. They only had one victory since two thousand and five in the championship over Kilkenny. A couple of times Cork were at the end of heavy beatings. Um I can't see that happening on Sunday, but it's a matter of If Cork can match the Kilkenny physicality and um, they're there for the battle, if they're in the game with 10 minutes to go, they have a great, great chance. Um, But if it was to put a neutral cap on and not be biased, I think Kilkenny could shade it by four or five pints. Um, but if Cork get victory I wouldn't be surprised this Cork team really has to come of age, there's no excuses anymore, there are no strikes they have the talent like Patrick Horgan, all of that they have the capabilities it's just a matter of them showing up on the day, they were found wanting in 2013 in the final, the second day against Clare this is a real time to lay down a marker Um, they had a good league but then they kind of waned off towards the end of it. And when they were put to the pin of their collar against Limerick, they were found wanting. So that's what they really have to put aside now. They really have to show their coming of age. And if they show up like they did against Limerick, well, it'd be it'd be a Kilkenny victory.
0: And the other uh, semi-final, obviously, Limerick and Waterford, they played each other in last year's All-Ireland final. Um, so what, what do you think Waterford are going to do differently in the semi-final um, this weekend? What are they going to do differently from the, the final last year, do you think?
1: If if you're to get Limerick at any time, I think the semi-final is the real time to get him. Um, Waterford, there's a hoodoo there in All-Ireland finals similar, to not to the extent of Mayo, but... The last few final appearances they made ended up disappointing Firm against Kilkenny, Galway and then Limerick last year. Um, so it's just a matter of Watford not letting the occasion get to him. If they showed the battling qualities they did against um, Kilkenny in, I'm trying to think, was it 2017? then they have a real chance. They can't let Limerick get any momentum at all in the game. If you give Limerick momentum, they have the the capabilities to destroy a team. Um, so Watford are going to have to bring the battling qualities they showed against Tipperary. Now, was, I did say Tipperary looked a leg a team, a lot of mileage, uh, mileage on the clock. But if Watford are able to bring the intensity they did when Tipperary came back at them, they have a great opportunity. If they, they're they off form at all, like they showed against Clare in the early stages and for long stages against Leash as well, it, it could be a real disappointing day for the Dacia again. Um, so it's just a matter of them not letting the occasion get to him. The one thing I'm noticing lately is the build-up isn't as high as it would have been years ago in Watford. So that's really good that Liam Cald's able to not have to deal with that factor, that supporters. Maybe it's slightly with COVID as well that there's not such a hype about it. And um, Watford would need to show Limerick respect, but not too much respect. And if they do that and it's close going into the final stages, Watford could do what they done last year against Kilkenny. But it's a matter of them making a good start and keeping in the contest for as long as they can um, it isn't a matter of say other times where they'd have to try and not concede goals Limerick are able to hammer teams by not scoring goals at all they're able to tap over points to beat the ban so it's a matter of remaining disciplined and going toe-to-toe with Limerick and if they do that and they're in contention as I said in the final 10 minutes they have a great chance.
0: And um, do you think there 's any like factor in or like personally yourself um as a coach Waterford would this will be their fourth week in a fourth week in a row playing, and then Limerick have had a few weeks off so what would you prefer like if you were if you were a coach and uh, you had the chance to be playing games regularly going into a big match or haven 't had a couple of weeks off to be fresh um what would you be your preference there? Who do you think would, does that Does that really give an advantage or is that kind of, you know, it's just more to who you know, turns up on the day?
1: Um, Looking at it, I think the games in a row would do what for good? Now, it is a lot, to be fair, and there's very little that you can do in training during the week because a lot of the... A lot for to be recovery and getting players right and uh, rehabilitation and all of that. Uh, Limerick are proven they won all Ireland last year. They won all Ireland um, two years before that. Um, yeah, two years before that, they showed that they can win on the big stage. And um, they're also Munster champions as well. So I mean, they have the win and run. The momentum is the big thing for Watford. I keep repeating. Um, they were really disappointing against Clare. Had a really kind of poor enough league, so the run they have, the string of games can only build confidence in the side. And personally, if I was to have any build up at all, I would have I would rather the Watford build up. For Limerick having a couple of weeks off isn't going to really play a factor because with Paul Kinnurk there, John Cowley and all of that, they know how to deal with that properly. Um, so, like you, you, you're not going to be able to play challenge games when you're going into a semi-final, no matter what. You're you you'd be scared of doing, and be, it'd be the same as going into a county final. You'd be scared of risk and injuries or anything like that. So, if you're to look at the preparation for either side going in, I choose Waterford because Limerick can only train among themselves, have in-house games, and all of that. And you ask any player or management team not in beats games. Um so yeah, for preparation, yeah, I'd love Watford's one. Um if it if it's really tight towards then players are tired, yeah, maybe Watford might be slightly cut. But I mean with the pre season and preparation that um intercounty teams have now, I can't really see that being a factor. If it went extra time or that, yeah, it might but um, yeah, I can't see the stringy games really affecting Watford.
0: Cool, good stuff. So, uh, just in in two words, who's going to make it to the final? Uh,
1: Kilkenny Limerick.
0: <laughs> so, all you're picking up Watford, and you said them to Kilkenny Limerick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll move on to the uh, the Camogie game. Is there? Um, so, big win for Galway over Kilkenny, even though they, they were down a down a lady.
1: Yeah, no, it, I watching the game there, um, Kilkenny would be really disappointed. Um when you it, it it's kind of a it can be a hoodoo at times um losing a player for the, the opposition uh, sorry, if a team loses a player it could maybe be more of a hindrance to the opposition than the team that lost the player themselves because it's a matter of you utilising the player properly. And no disrespect to Kilkenny or the Kilkenny management or anything. I just don't think they dealt with that properly in the game. Um, Now, in saying that, Galway had a lot to lose in that contest. They lost all-Ireland final last year. They lost the league final to Kilkenny. And Kilkenny came very close at the end to getting a, a goal as well. So Watford, or sorry, Galway were kind of playing kind of a dangerous game there. They could have conceded and it would have been like the last two encounters where they came up short with late goals. Um, Yeah, Kilkenny, they're playing Wexford in the next game in the quarterfinal. No disrespect to Wexford. They're they're going great in the senior level after spending a year down intermediate. But um, yeah, I'd expect Kilkenny to bounce back there. The worrying thing is the week before that they played Westmeath. And it was late in the contest that Kilkenny got a grip of the game. Uh, goals from Merriam Mulch and Katie Nolan kind of got a strangled hold. And I don't know, maybe it's second season syndrome or something. But yeah, I'd expect Kilkenny to really bounce back and you would have to fancy him um, to get to the semifinal. And you wouldn't write him off for a final appearance again either.
0: Yeah, and just want to go through some of the, the other games, what other Camoge games, got your eye there.
1: Yeah, in the senior championship, there were a win for Limerick over awfully 17 points to 2-9. Cork had a big win over, what, for 2 19 to 3-8. Uh, down in Dublin went really down to the wire. Um, down had an opportunity in the latter stages of extra time to get an equalising score but the referee blew it up and Dublin emerged victorious 1-9 to 11 points and that would have been a really disappointing season for Dublin they regained their senior status but they would have really expected more from the Championship this year and Clare, even though they won there after losing their manager uh, he stepped down, they defeated Westmeath two twelve to 12 points uh, there are also intermediate games there a big win for Meath over Carlow, Galway over Dublin, uh, Cork over Antrim was only three points in the 214 to 211. Kilkenny bounced back from their opening round defeat Tantrum, Antrim uh, by hammering Kildare 224 to 1-7. Derry had a big win over Kerry who won the intermediate championship last year 217 to nine points and Leash defeated Tipperary 311 uh, to 112. That was intermediate, and there were one game on Sunday in the senior championship. All those games I called out were Saturday, and there were one game in the senior championship. Tipperary uh, defeated Wexford 4 11 to 111. So that means Tipperary face Watford and Kilkenny face Wexford in the quarterfinals, with Galway and Cork topping the group and go straight through to the semi final. There are also minor games took place. Kilkenny. Uh, would be disappointed. They drew with Watford. They were up by eight pints. Um, after forty-five minutes in the contest, it finished 2-11 to eleven to one fourteen. Galway had a big win over Tipperary five seventeen to one seven, and Cork had a big win over Limerick three nineteen at three pints and just finish up. There were some junior championship fixtures as well. Uh, Wexford defeated Watford one twelve to two four. Clare defeated Roscommon one ten to nine pints. And Limerick defeated Down two thirteen to one six. Thanks, Robbie.
0: Cool, Lula. Uh, So we're going to kick on over to the the big ball, over to the football. Um, and the last uh, last two of the provincial uh, finals were decided, and the last two semi finalists were confirmed. Um, did you catch either the Ulster or Leinster football final?
1: Yeah, I, I was kind of flicking through, um, flicking over and back to both games um, because I was watching other games as well. Um, if I start with Ulster final, yeah, I mean, I it it was kind of a bittersweet one because I wanted both teams to win. <laughs> I mean, um, Monaghan yeah. for the the tragedy they had, um, I would have re- it would have been a really. Uniting factor firm um especially after losing in Dunder twenty the other night against Down as well. Uh, but Tyrone under Brian Dewar, they're really showing good good strides. Um, I wouldn't like to face them in the semi final, I won't lie. Um but it was a cracking contest. It was about the two goalies and the way yeah. I mean it's just it's just brilliant to watch. It's kind of after bringing the Aussie rules style into the GEA. It's just terrific to watch. Um and-
0: do you reckon it might catch on or other teams might start uh, bringing it in or do do you reckon it's kind of it's good for the game or it will kind of be something that you know like if you do a few, there'll be few bad maybe goals conceded and then people will just go back to the fundamentals back to the basics then?
1: Yeah, it, like it was the leash goalkeeper started it a couple of year ago. I'm struggling to try and think of his name. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it. But he kind of started it going out around the 45 and all of that. But Monaghan are really after excelling on it. Um, Rory Began is really after... He's just after bringing it to a new art. And I mean, not only is he going out and giving opportunities for... Um, kind of pass and play but he's also tackling players as well so he's after bringing it to a new level Um. so yeah it was a cracking contest and yeah Tyrone would I mean Kerry Kerry's on a good run really on a good run after the disappointment of last year but Tyrone had a hoodoo over him and if any team were to stop the good Kerry run, Tyrone could really do it and could really pull off a shock. It wouldn't be a shock, but I mean, everyone's really fancying Kerry for All Ireland this year. It's anyone you're talking to. Um, I know we would be talking about Dublin in a minute, but with the kind of the slight decline in the Dublin form, everyone's tipping Kerry. Tyrone could really pull off. If, Pull
0: the rug from under Kerry in the semi-final. Yeah, and as you're saying with the with Limerick, you know, maybe catching uh, Kerry in a semi-final might be a good thing. Um, now the the Leinster football final, um, Dublin they they've done eleven in a row, which is doing nothing for Leinster football really. But um, I don't think uh, Kildare did themselves any favors. They they set up with a really defensive uh, system. They just you know, retreated beyond its round forty five and made you know, made life awkward for Dublin. But, you know, once Dublin got ahead, were Kildare ever really gonna win that game?
1: No. No, and a simple answer, no. Um I won't lie, it was a real dire affair. It really, really was. It was um it was a real struggle to watch. Um I one thing now it's very hard to say any criticism about a team that's after winning 11 Leinster titles in a row, six All-Ireland titles in a row, but I think the Dublin style of play this year is really really tough to watch, now I could be slated for saying it but it could be their downfall, Um, it's the slow build up play I mean, maybe, maybe it's a factor that the bench isn't as strong as it was in previous years, maybe it's the I know, no disrespect, heaven comfort, he's having a great season, um, but maybe it's a situation that without Clucks in there, maybe it's a certain dynamics missing, but it, it was really noticeable in the league game against Kerry. I mean, when Dublin were winning and winning well, they could afford the slow build-up play, drawn-out defences and all of that. Against Kerry this year... You could say they maybe kind of threw away the game that the play. The build-up play was so slow that they weren't playing a quicker into the the forwards that you know can do really serious damage that are rootless. And it was kind of a factor against that against Kildare on Sunday. Now, as you said, Kildare were never going to win that game. It really—that's no disrespect to Kildare. They're making great progress under um, Jack O'Connor. Um, I'm trying to think of the Kildare footballer Flynn Um, Daniel Daniel Flynn sorry Daniel Flynn was really immense for Kildare and really deserved the the Man of the Match award and they they will be a team to watch in a couple of years I mean maybe like people pundits were doing it about Kilkenny a few years ago maybe we're writing Dublin set I'm writing Dublin's set warrant a bit too soon that they could really um, prove their worth and claim the seventh All Ireland title, but um, yeah, Kildare will be a force in years to come. But I, I wouldn't, if I was a Dublin fan, I wouldn't be happy with the style of play. But still, it's getting the result.
0: Yeah, and I well suppose it would be a different game uh, against Mayo, like Mayo aren't right, going to. They aren't going to concede the kick-out. They're going to push up, and it's going to be a lot more uh, kind of like a battle of attrition. You know, They're going to be having a real go exactly. goal each other. Um, so, yeah, two great uh, football uh, semifinals, and we'll, we'll dig into them more uh, next week uh, after we give our, our reaction to the mouth-watering, uh, hurling games that are on this weekend. Um, so, yeah, we're going to change pace a little bit. We're going to go on to our picks of the week. So what are your uh, picks of the week this week, Teach?
1: Yeah, um one that I was thinking of for a long time and I never thought of it is and I'm not going to men- mention any individuals because it's different people around the country, but I have to give a shout out to the musicians that are doing Facebook lives and especially during the lockdown they really um give people hope and um enthusiasm with their lives on Facebook, whether it's musicians or DJs um so and an awful lot are after continuing it on and I think it's great to keep their profile out there as well. They're really after suffering during this pandemic, and um, they're the first ones to finish and they're going to be the last ones back. And mm-hmm. the way things are going, it could be October, November. Again, they're back being able to play in pubs and that. So I have to give a shout out to them for so that's my first pick. Um Second pick is a film I really love. It's an Irish film. Um, David Kelly is in it, and I am absolutely struggling for names. Um, Bannon's name is he was Q in James Bond. There's um, huh? in it, and the film is Waking Ned Divine. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw it, but it's just it's so funny a film. It's about uh, Ned Divine. He wins the lotto. Uh, but he got such a shock on winning the lotto, he died of a heart attack. So it's his two friends um, are David Kelly and I'm looking up the name of that actor. I'm uh, really annoyed, I can't think for it. They go searching around the village to try and figure out who it was and they discover, Ian Bannon, sorry. um, They go around trying to discover who won the lotto and then eventually they discover it was Ned Devine won it. Uh, so they had to try and claim the lotto prize. They decided that they would share it out among everyone in the village, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really worth to watch. So I'm- it's kind of like a weekend,
0: weekend at Bernie's sort of scenario where they're trying to keep them alive just for just long enough to to uh, complete their uh, adventure. If you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's um, yeah, no, it's just a really funny film. It's kind of a heartwarming one as well, and yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. I'm not sure I can't never saw it on uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime, but it, the DVDs are available. Are um, if you've done an internet search, and um, they may be uh, streaming of it, but it's definitely worth checking out.
0: Yeah, cool. Actually I have never seen it. Um I think I've maybe seen like a little bit of it, but uh yeah, definitely one to to check out. I'll move on to my picks of the week. And one of mine is one that's coming in September, which is uh, I know you're very excited about it, TJ. It's the Lord of the Rings uh TV series on Amazon Prime. I'm sure you're uh you're just logging on to Amazon Prime as we speak to to book your subscription.
1: <laughs> I never <sighs> saw it and I I don't know I don't really have a desire um is that the one with all the action in it I don't mean action action but the other Very action vague.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah like well there was the three films that were released um in the early 2000s um and uh kind of were had great like success and one of them was nominated for eleven Academy Awards and won eleven, uh, which is the only film ever to do that. Um, but this is a TV series, um, so it's going to set in a different age or, of Middle Earth. Um, so it's going to definitely be pretty badass. And there was just one uh, still frame photo that was released yesterday. And that's kind of blown up uh, across the internet. Well, in my world, probably not in your world, TJ. But... <laughs> it just goes to show you the reach it has. It's only one image and people are, are getting very excited about it. So that's, I think it's September 2nd. Uh, so I'll definitely be picking up uh, my Amazon Prime subscription then. And kind of been busy lately, but one of the films I have watched um, is Army of the Dead on Netflix. Oh, cool. And it's, kind of, it's a zombie movie. Um <clears throat> set in Las Vegas and it's not like a real kind of horror kind of gritty uh, zombie it's kind of more with a bit of humor and and that sort of stuff and the zombies in it are pretty weird as well so like it's 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 worth a watch um it kind of has it's almost in some senses it's like so bad it's funny sort of thing you know, if you kind of watch it with that sort of um, a viewpoint, <laughs> if, it's better. But if you're watching it as like a seri- serious kind of zombie thing, you'd be a bit disappointed. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of decent enough for what it is. And uh, ba- Baptista, the uh, he used to be a wrestler. He's in it. And, well, he's a wrestler, so you can imagine how his acting is. It's not great. But, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. A good, it's a good action flick. Um, and, yeah, could be good to watch uh, on Netflix if you get a chance.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds good. I won't lie to you, I, I wouldn't be phased by gory movies but it just wouldn't appeal like, you'd watch them if they were on but i kind of rather the, uh, the slight gory comedy ones, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'll definitely check that out now. Check it out.
0: Cool, so we'll uh, move on to the British and Irish Lions who had the second, uh, second uh, test against South Africa at the weekend and Got absolutely dominated in the second half by uh, South Africa. South Africa were peak South Africa in that game. They were, they were winning the all the set pieces and um, one, one kind of critical stat I think that kind of swung, swung the game for uh, South Africa was that there was a eleven, eleven aerial balls, eleven high kicks in the second half, and South Africa won nine of them. Now they won nine of them by either claiming possession or by the Lions knocking on the ball. And I think in dash kind of really gave uh, South Africa a lot of momentum and it made it difficult for the Lions to get back into the game and no better team to defend a, a lead than South Africa. Um, but I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the All Blacks coach uh, said that he couldn't watch the game, he had to switch it off. That was so boring. Uh, so what did you think of it?
1: Um I won't lie, I was watching the GA games, but I I had it set up on my phone so I was flicking over and back. Um yeah, it, it from what I saw I'd have to agree with the New Zealand coach because yeah, it was a struggle at times. Um the comments that Razzy Rasmus made during the week as well, sorry, not the comments, the video he made I think could have been a big factor in it because it put South Africa under pressure and especially after the disappointment of the first test as well, they they really had motivation going into it. Um, it, it was kind of to be expected because if you're writing a script for a drama, you'd say the underdogs win the first one, then the champions win the second. So it all sets it up for a real mouth-watering game. I think this could be a real classic game. Now, if I'm wrong, as usual, it's kind of... <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think it could be a real cracker now because neither side will want to want to lose it. And if any side were to be disappointed with the the losses so far, it'd have to be the Lions because from what I saw... I'm not surprised with the stat of losing eight out of a... Or sorry, was it eight or nine of the... Nine out of 11. Nine out of 11, sorry. I mean, I wasn't surprised because South Africa really dominated. And uh, from what I read today as well, um, the lines are after really ringing the changes. I didn't see them. It's just I heard in passing. um, So, yeah, it's going to be a cracking contest. But... um, I'd say the Lions might have a slight advantage. I won't lie to you. South Africa looked a bit disjointed in the first contest with the disruption they would have having around Covid and that. So with the pressure that'd be on the Lions after a disappointing game Saturday, I might I think the Lions could do it. I think they could win the Test Series. Um but yeah, I think it's going to be a cracking contest on this Saturday.
0: Do you reckon the the Lions will start throwing the ball around? Will we see lots of uh intricate kind of back play? Um, or will they kind of stick to the the game plan they've had in the first two games, which has been more about like kicking the kicking it and playing for territory? Do you reckon they'll they'll change radically or they might just modify it slightly?
1: Um Judging by Warren Gatland in, say, when he was with Wales and previous, I don't think he will change it too much. If it was me personally, and I won't lie to you, I enjoy watching rugby and all of that. I never played it, only messing around. Um, If it was me, I wouldn't like to take, I wouldn't like to kind of kick the ball too much. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. like to hand, I know the Lions will try and counter-attack and secure possession and territory and all of that. But handing possession back to the likes of South Africa is a real dangerous game. I mean, the strength they have, you just don't want to... I know you have to match them, but you don't want to try and overly take them on physically. I mean, throw the ball around, kind of run them around a bit. I, I know it's very hard to do that in rugby, say, compared to other sports. But, I mean, with the talent that the Lions have in their disposal and from the teams they're from they kind of play an open brand I mean it's fast pace and that was a bit lacking from what I saw on Saturday so um, yeah if it was me I'd like them to play an open kind of an open game now the counteract to that is if they're not on form at all South Africa could latch on and kind of take them to the cleaners that's the risk of doing it I mean there's a matter of interceptions and all of that but um, if it was me, I'd prefer take him on that way. I really would, but I think Warren Gatland won't change too much. It, there, there's kind of a curse of overreacting to a loss that you can try and change too much, and you can disjoin things. And Warren Gatland has too much experience for that, so he kind of maybe tinge around the fringes a bit, but I wouldn't see, I wouldn't expect dramatic changes. Personnel, yeah. Style
0: of playing up. Yeah, and one thing I noticed uh, from the second for the second test was that uh, in the first test they kept the ball in play a lot more. The Lions did, um, yeah. and whatever way it happened, um, there was a lot more kind of dead ball situations in the second game, which is which allows uh, South Africa, who are really good at the set piece, to really grow into the game.
1: And the more you can keep
0: the ball in play the more they have to work harder and kind of less from the script that they've been given. So that I think that will be definitely something the Lions will employ. They'll try and keep the ball in play and try and run the legs off South Africa. And when they are kind of, uh, when they are a bit tired, they'll try and stretch them then um, like they tried to do in the first test. So yeah, it should be, uh, you know, an enthralling game and for the good of the series. Uh, it was good for the series that South Africa won because you know, if they didn't win, then it was you know, no one's really looking forward to the third game or people are just kind of really switching off. Um so yeah, hopefully it comes down to a cracker. And pity there's no fans of the game, but um yeah, I'm sure it'll be a, a spectacle of a game. Um cool. So we're gonna move on to our next topic. So this is one that I came across on Instagram. It was a poll, um, I think it was on Lad Bible, Ireland, um one of them sort of Instagram pages, and it was um they did a poll and of, of men it was i should be said that 75 percent of men would rather die than give up eating meat uh now I, lo- I love my meat as much as the next man, but i don't know if i'd be willing to, to die <laughs> to uh the to same so where would you where would you stand on that is that uh, life worth living in a meatless world or how do you feel on
1: that i have a kind of a slight technical question on it um would you consider fish meat or would it be?
0: God, you're one of them. Um, I suppose, I suppose you, you, I would just go for like, you know, your chicken and beef and like your fish. Yeah. Is, yeah. So keep fish and maybe eggs separate, if you know what I mean. So,
1: yeah, I oh know. Perfect. Um, yeah. Do you know the way say good Friday and Ash Wednesday and all of that? You don't eat meat and that. So yeah. Um, uh, it probably wouldn't really bother me that much. I won't lie to you. I'm after starting eating kind of white fish lately, like the cod, haddock, cake, and um, so. If it was a situation that you kept fish kind of separate, yeah, it, it wouldn't really over bother me. If it was say earlier in the year or last year, yeah, I'd say straight away I'd die because. I wouldn't be overly a lover of vegetables. I won't lie and the likes of um, you know say the likes of sweet corn or anything like that Um, even if I was having a dinner if I was having dinner at home I wouldn't have vegetables at all. If I was having dinner out it'd be maybe only slightly carrots peas something like that so um, I've eaten very little meat I won't lie. I think I ate one steak and I was drunk at the Irish after the Irish Open, and I say that was the first one in about four months, four or five months. Um, so I don't think it'd be as much of a factor now. But if it was me a year ago, I'd be six feet under now. <laughs> That'd <be> yeah, nice.
0: <laughs> I'd rather that. Um, yeah, like I, I love meat. A lot, I eat a lot of meat. Um. You know it probably would drive me crazy if I if I was to give it up uh to be fair but um yeah I think I, I'd I'd miss out on eating the meat uh <laughs> just to stay alive. You know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as happy of a life I suppose um without your steak and all that sort of stuff. Um yeah but I think I'd hang in there uh as best I could but um definitely it definitely would be a crappier uh life I imagine, so. <laughs>
1: okay. I pull, actually i put
0: actually a poll up on our our instagram actually for for anyone mm-hmm. wants to have their say would they rather die or would they rather um you know, or just not eat me for the rest of your life so you can check it out guys tomorrow and uh, cool so we're going to move on to our world sports roundup uh so do you have for the roundup this week tj
1: yeah, I it's similar to an earlier topic I'm not going to mention individuals but I have to give a shout out to the Irish Olympic team um four, four medals if I'm not mistaken two two one gold and one bronze in rowing um and then two boxing um and yeah I sorry um one boxing guaranteed and then Uh, Or, sorry, two guaranteed, but they could be two bronze, but then one could be upgraded uh, with Kelly Harrington. Um, So, I also want to give a shout out to Rory McElroy. Um, He was very unlucky in a playoff on Sunday uh, to get the bronze medal, and listening to an interview after, he said he never tried as hard to finish third in all his life. So,. Uh, whatever question marks there would have been around in the Ro- Rio Olympics, he really's after proven um, that he was really committed to the cause. Um, a player that a golf player that I was highlighting on a few podcasts, Leona Maguire, uh, she's part-, part. Sorry, I'm stuttering. She's partnering up with Stephanie Meadow uh, to represent Ireland in the ladies' golf competition. And Leona Maguire is teeing off at actually half 11 tonight in the golf. And I think Ireland have a real chance. Leona Maguire has gone really well in the PGA Tour. And then Stephanie Meadows as well is an excellent golf player and really uh, proven her class and style in the PGA Tour as well. So they be my picks. And I think we be definitely worth following uh, Leona Maguire and Stephanie Meadows. And also uh, keep an eye out with Kelly Harrington as well, uh, fighting for silver on Thursday, and hopefully it'd be more. And also to the Irish athletics team, I know I wasn't mentioning individuals, but the commitment out of the the 4 by one, uh, four by by 400 relay team as well, um, I mean, they were running in their own class, but then to get to the final in that competition as well, um was unbelievable so shout out to them as well
0: and are you enjoying the olympics um, or do you kind of enjoy the olympics in general or is kind of the time difference uh kind of um, making it a bit harder to watch the all the different stuff or how you find in this olympics or compared to the other ones
1: um, it is a struggle, I won't lie to you. I love the Olympics, I really do. It's the same as the World Cup or the European Championships in soccer. It, I just love when the four years come around. Um, the time difference this year is a real struggle, but I, it, 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 I think the coverage could be greater on television. I know that might be hard when there's such a time difference, and I know say television stations are running all through the night, but I'd like kind of more coverage during the day, even highlights. I know they're doing about four or five hours of that, but I just such an addict to it. Um I like even more. I'm actually watching a replay of the gymnastics here at the moment. Um yeah. and I'd like if there was like a later recap show.
0: Anyway, the yeah. recap show is like seven to nine and You know, I don't really watch any TV usually before nine o'clock. So unless it's like some sort of sporting event or something like that. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's difficult to make ish make time to watch it for me anyway. So, and, you know, kind of, I don't know, like, not to sound bad or not to sound unpatriotic or whatever, but we're pretty crap, to be honest with you, (laughs) at the Olympics. And I know like you're saying a small population and all that sort of stuff, but you know, when you have, like, people r- running, like, you know, Irish records or the f- their fastest times and they don't even make it into the final, it's kind of like, you know, you know, it kind of makes you wish we were taken over by uh, communist dictatorship so that at least we have a decent <laughs> liberty.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's just lack of underinvestment or, sorry, lack of investment. It's real, it's a real factor of underinvestment. I mean, we yeah it's hard to be proud when you're finishing last and doing your personal best it it, it, that all boils down to just not enough of money being pumped in i know there's a report there a while ago that the government are looking at um i think it's about a 10-year plan or something that they're really going to pump investment into the sports to really strive and train to win medals at the Olympics. You can't fault athletes at all. It's a great opportunity to get there. But when you just don't have the facilities, I know we have the aquatic centre and um there's some great um great centers for athletics around but it's just not enough. Um when you have athletes that have to go to Great Britain or America um, to get the just the real top class uh, facilities, it's just it, it's kind of it 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 all has to boil down. Similar to the GA, it all has to boil down to the grassroots. If you haven't the proper structure for the grassroots, you're not going to compete at the latter stages. You can't look at just the lease the elite athletes at the moment who are doing terrific. I mean, there's some world champions there and there's some uh, people that are coming really close. I mean, if you look at the the boxing back at, uh, say, 2008 in Beijing and then in London as well, the likes of the the structures and the invest I, I wouldn't say overly investments. It was just the, the hard work was put in. I don't think there's enough of that being put in and you can't fault athletes for that. Um, one topic I actually forgot, Robbie, and it's around the Olympics as well, is Simone Biles. I wouldn't have heard of that the uh, gymnast until last week when you mentioned it for a topic. But she came back and won a bronze today, uh, Tuesday. So great credit to her. Uh, she actually had to withdraw um, because... She had, uh, I can't think of the condition, but it's similar to what go- golfers get. It's kind of a shake that she didn't know when she was upside down or whether she was straight up when she was in there. So to be able to recover and have Donacy to come out and say what was wrong and win a bronze as well was outstanding, so great credit to yeah, her. I think that's well. a really,
0: weak, it's a weak event for her that she won the bronze end, if you know what I mean, so yeah, it wouldn't be
1: her strongest yeah. point. Yeah, I know. I watched that today. It was um, a Chinese girl won at the very end. She was actually the last gymnast. But uh, yeah, I know. I was really, I was really impressed with Simone Biles. And um, yeah, I know she's a real star for the future. I heard today she has her life kind of made with the investments and all of that. So it's great. Yeah, I think she's gonna done.
0: finish. She's gonna finish as a gymnast now. Because she's old for gymnast, if you know what I mean. I think this yeah. is her third or fourth Olympics, fourth or third, I think. And she's only she's only twenty four, but gymnastics you have a, a certain uh, shelf life with your age, like in you know way. I mean? So a lot of them who compete at the Olympics are you know in their teenage years, um, because it demands it has in the body and that sort of thing. So she's kind of aging out of it, I suppose. Um, so but she probably has a, a bright future with you know. Um, like commentating and you know, all these sort of branding and all this sort of stuff in the future. So, all the best to her on that, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, it's it just shows actually where Ireland are lacking because she's after being secured for life with the endorsements and everything. I know it's all hard work and all of that, but hard work pays off. So, it's a, I think that's where we're on about where Ireland are kind of lacking. You need you need athletes that are comfortable I I don't mean rich rich but you need athletes that kind of have security I heard of one athlete today he was really struggling he went back to work in I won't mention where but went back to work in a kind of a real low paying job and then came back and really performed well in the Olympics and it's just you need the proper structures and you need athletes that have financial security as well. And I think that's really kind of the one thing that's lacking at the moment.
0: Yeah, well, uh, speaking of financial security and support, uh, Steph Curry, he plays for the Golden State Warriors in NBA in basketball. And he, he's, the, he's become, he signed the richest um, contract in NBA history. Which is two hundred and fifteen million over four years. So, you know, if you want to be comfortable in sport, uh, you know, playing in the NBA is probably a good start. To be honest,
1: it's ridiculous, Robbie. Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's um, and they be endorsements on top of that as well, wouldn't they? Uh,
0: yeah, no, I'm not sure. He don't think he's like as big on the endorsements as maybe LeBron or kevin durant or all these other kind of stars um i could be wrong on that but he's definitely he's going to be the the best played paid basketball player well at least for the next year or two until other guys contracts come up you know (laughs) because these uh you know record-breaking contracts they, they don't really last too long you know so i imagine it will be eclipsed in a few years you know
1: does it take the good out of the sport robbie
0: uh, I don't know. Like I suppose, like in basketball, like there's only like six guys on the court at any one time, and they play like they do. Like really, earn their money. They play like a savage amount of games. Like you know, they play. I don't know. It could be like eighty, ninety games in a regular season, and then they play in the playoffs, and you have like up to seven games in each round of the playoffs as well. Like so, yeah. I don't. It's maybe different to other sports where, like you know, in soccer you have you know maybe 20 guys who are in the main squad whereas in basketball it's you know it's a lot less um and even in american football you have like 40 guys that could be playing you know in any one game because they change the the different uh like uh offense and defense and special teams and stuff like that so yeah, you could argue that in basketball that they, they do um probably more to earn the money than they do in other sports you know but it's like it's a of money really you know so um yeah that's a fair play to my
1: name (laughs) oh no definitely oh no definitely be nice to get it (laughs) yeah i know i i don't know personally i think the kind of the the money is brilliant but would you maybe i could be slated for this but would you really every day put in the same effort when you know you have so much in the bank like is it, or am I completely wrong in saying that? I, I, now, in saying it, every basketball I saw, the skill and show is unbelievable. But I don't know if the same hunger would be there.
0: Yeah, I think the, the, it does kind of happen a lot. It seems to happen a lot with NFL players, where, you know, they work so hard in high school, and then they go into college, and then they get drafted, hopefully into the NFL, and they spend like five years on a rookie contract, which is usually only like half a million a year, which is, you know, relative (laughs) in the sport. It's it's like, I know it's a lot of money, but like in the sport, it's not a lot, if you know what I mean. Um, And then what happens then after the the rookie contract expires, they get signed properly and they they can make up to, you know, good players could make, you know, 10, 15, 20 million or 40 million if they're playing maybe quarterback or something like that. So it does happen a lot when guys get get their money, get their, their first big paycheck, that, you know, they, that's when they have kind of made it, if you know what I mean. So there's less pressure yeah. on them. You know, they could they could stop playing and be really rich, you know. So I think probably in some sports it does it does happen. Um you know maybe it, it depends on the sport and stuff like that, you know what I mean? So but yeah, I imagine there's some players that once they make, you know, their big chunk of money, the first big chunk of mine's like right yeah i'll just kind of phone it in for the rest and you know whatever will happen will happen you know
1: yeah the one sport i think it's rampant and well maybe rampant's uh an unfair term for it, but it's soccer there's a few players that are on really lucrative contracts and um yeah i mean they're fine wanting at times like Really what about the, the,
0: the mega players that uh, they don't turn up for training at the start of the season?
1: It's, it's one thing that used to really annoy me. It, it kind of came into GA a bit and it, it had to be done at times um, and fair great credit to GPA thereafter doing away with a lot of it but in soccer I think player power at times is too much Is when you have big names and they just think they can do whatever they want to do, and they look for the big move. And it doesn't always work out for them. It really doesn't always work out. But still... Um,
0: do you reckon uh, Harry Kane's going to get his move from Spurs? Or?
1: Um, I think he will. I think the, the money that Spurs will be offered will be... It's definitely going to be... 120 million plus I say easily um, he didn't really uh, he was impressive at times in the European Championship but it wasn't the greatest competition for him I won't say um, but yeah for him not to show up to training or anything like that shows a real, real lack of respect Um, because he can't forget that it was Spurs where he made his name and I know he has great skill and ability and all of that but I think it's a real severe lack of respect when a player doesn't have the decency and just doesn't show up for training And because if you were looking for a new job and you didn't show up to your old job it doesn't really send um, a good impression and um, it's just it's a bit different though
0: because like if you wanted to leave your job you just say right two weeks and I'm gone two weeks notice or whatever but in you know in footballing terms they sign you know, you know four and five year contracts so you kind of have to maybe to, to get out of the job if you're unhappy somewhere you have to maybe make things a bit more difficult or a bit more you know less palatable for your employers to let you go
1: that's true that's that's a valid point but I mean it's a matter it, it's a matter of the figure and the sum that comes in the offer because if you're the likes of Spurs and you lose Harry Kane I mean it, are they a ready made replacement out there I mean they will get phenomenal money but there's very few teams I mean the likes of Liverpool done it And I know I'd be biased in saying it, but there's very few teams that got a real substantial sum and made use of it. Now, Liverpool didn't always do. They made some horrific signings as well. But, I mean, with the sale of, say, Suarez and Coutinho at the time, they did make some good signings and had success after. So, I mean, that's what Spurs really have to take into consideration as well. But going back to your question, I think it's a complete lack of respect by Kane and any player that does it. its its kind of sets a bad trend because you. this might sound funny, but you could have young players if they're not getting their own way in smaller clubs kind of saying here, I'm not going to play until I get my own way kind of way. And I know that might, it might sound very little, but... um these are kind of role models and they should have a more diplomatic way of doing it.
0: Yeah, that's fair point. Um, Cool. So we're we're going to move on. We're going to move on to um, another kind of topic I came across on Instagram, which is um, if you could train for the next four years um, and you had to just medal in any Olympic event and you you'd win like 50 million. Okay. So that's your kind of motivation. What sport do you think you could do that you like? If you were, if you you now was trained for the next four years, you know what do you think you might have a chance at meddling in, or is even having this conversation too disrespectful to the Olympic athletes who put in so much effort?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, <laughs> when when you when you said it to me at, fir- at first um i don't think you can be made in four years i think it's the talent that you have from birth that's um nurtured and prepared the right way um and that's why i have great respect for every athlete that takes part especially the irish ones um and i mean they go out do their best and they serve their country proudly and I don't think their talent could be developed within four years. Now, if a gun was put to my head and I had to pick one and I was going to compete at uh, the next Olympics, I'd probably pick a real off-the-cuff one and pick shooting. Um, yeah. Now, I never... I don't own a gun parents don't father was a gamekeeper and that and i did shoot a gun at a cousin of mine's and um, he said now but you if, shot at your uh, cousin no 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 uh, they had a gun <laughs> for hunting and that and they had a target set up and i shot at target a couple of times and my eye wasn't too bad i was able to hit the target so i think the likes of a sport no disrespect but I think a sport like that, you would be able to maybe grasp quicker than, say, more an athletic type one, uh, the likes of swimming or um, running or anything like that. So if I was to pick one, I'd go for that. Would I win a gold? Probably you not. You just have to win bronze. Oh, bronze. Oh, that would be... Uh, you just have to get a medal. I probably wouldn't because I probably... I'd probably be, especially if it was the next Olympics, I'd be probably at the the bar in the Athletes Village. And I'd probably have two bad shakes the next morning anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, now, not that I think I'd win a medal in this, but I just, I really always enjoyed uh, playing volleyball. Um, not that I'm extremely tolerant at that, but I really enjoy playing it. And I'd be the person who could spike it up for the big people uh, to put it over. So, if I was to have a go at any, any sport uh, in the Olympics um, and have even an outside chance of making a medal because I'm on a good team, probably would be uh, in volleyball. And uh, I don't know if you've watched any of the highlights of that. The athletes are incredible. Like the, the way they spike it up and then they get the big, you know, six foot five, six foot six people coming smashing through. Uh, to hit hit the ball over the net and then try and flick it back over. Um, it's actually a really interesting sport. Um, so yeah, I'd kind of go for that one.
1: Yeah, no, I I loved volleyball. I played a bit in school. Um, played in finals and all of that. And uh, actually, if I, I retract what I may, well maybe a second one if I'm allowed probably badminton. um i used to love badminton in school and what are playing in leinster finals and all of that um so maybe that um but then you look at some of the the participants in that they're unbelievable the irish lad was actually brilliant in it um,
0: yeah i know in fairness like you know when you play badminton you think oh yeah this is a good bit of crack but then when you watch the people playing badminton it's you know <laughs> next yeah. level
1: oh it's unbelievable did you ever see the real feather shuttlecock it's
0: um i don't know maybe i have i don't know
1: oh it's actually scary do you know the ones say if you went into a shop and you had the rackets and the shuttlecock the ones made of plastic the one saying proper competitions and that is actually made of feathers and my god that can come at you so you definitely wouldn't want to be out the night before because your reactions have to be spot on. Like So maybe that's <coughs> why I played in Leinster finals, but never won one. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, it just shows the hard work that goes into it. I won't lie. Would you have the, the big question is, would you have the commitment to do it day after day after day? And,
0: Well, if you're going to win fifty million, I suppose that's your motivation.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, and then after that, you could lose all the motivation you have because you've got fifty million, as we discussed already.
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I think, jeez, I think if any of these athletes were able to win fifty million for, yeah. I think everyone would try and get involved, but um, it's uh, it Did you actually? Sorry, not sure again. Did you actually see that in a gold medal? There's only around one point three percent gold. Or am I? I kind
0: of, I, I kind of knew something like that. I, I didn't know the exact percentage. But the, the actual, the Tokyo Olympics medals look actually pretty cool. To be fair.
1: Oh, they do. Oh no, definitely. I think it's the work to it, um, but um. Yeah, it's kinda of strange that it's only that I thought it would have been at least about definitely say thirty, forty, maybe something like that, but when it's so little. Now it could be wrong in that, but I think it's I think it's only around one percent I saw but um Yeah, I suppose
0: there's only really so more. much gold in the world.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Can't be
0: given it to all the Olympic Athens. <laughs> Because they probably just sell it then, no? A lot of people probably would like.
1: Um, You imagine if you had a piece
0: of gold that big, and you were from, you know, a country that was relatively, you know, poor, I suppose, or less economically well off, uh, that you probably would have a lot of motivation to sell it, no?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's a father used. I think it was Mick O'Connell, a Kerry who used. Now I never remember him playing. Jesus, I wouldn't have been even born at the time. But his father was often telling me that when he'd win an all-earned medal with Kerry, he'd actually give the medal to the first kid he saw. Yeah. That it was just a matter of winning the game. That the, Now, I think it was Mick O'Connell, and I stand corrected on it, but I think it was he that the father was saying that um used to. So it was just a matter of winning that it was. And so I know if I won a gold, I'd... It'd be kind of like the gold chain walking into the likes of Langton's or the left bank, like you'd be, yeah, yeah. I definitely have it like
0: just in the hall there when you walk into the house, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Show it> <laughs> <off>. <laughs> uh, cool, teacher. We'll move on to our last topic, which is the highball. The highball, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So, this one just gonna kind of pop into my head, this evening because I had to think of a highball basically. Um, so yeah, yeah i was just going to think about cover songs and um what do you think is uh, a really good cover or maybe even a song that you didn't know was a cover until maybe afterwards and some music nerd uh pointed out to you that it was a cover Uh i'll go with my one first uh so you can have have a think so my f- my first one or probably the only one is um there's lots of really good covers out there but um One that I didn't know was a cover was uh, Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor, but it's actually a cover of a Prince song. Um, So Prince originally sang the song, so I I didn't know that for ages and ages. I thought it was a Sinead O'Connor song. Uh, But one of my favorite covers is another one that I didn't realize was a cover. Um, And it's a song called Dive. And it's originally sung by Ed Sheeran. And the guy who covers it is um, an American singer called Luke Combs and he did that at a Spotify sing- signal, or a singles um, event, and I just kind of, I was a big fan of his, so I kind of was listening to his music, and came across this, and it's a brilliant, brilliant song, and then I was just in the work one day, and then this, this song came on, and I was like, I, I knew all the words to it, but I was like, oh, this is a different guy singing it, and then I asked the person who I was working with, oh, who who is this singing, and they were like, oh, it's Ed Sheeran, this is an Ed Sheeran song. And I was like, oh, no way, because I thought this was this other guy's song. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, that song is called Dive. And um, you can get on Spotify or Apple or whatever. So what would be uh, a really favorite cover of yours, TJ?
1: I won't lie to you. I actually completely forgot. I <laughs> Just for preparation, uh, Robbie told me the highball at the start, and I completely forgot about it. Um okay. so well
0: I'm, come back to you on
1: that one. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking up a couple there now and there be some real cheesy ones, but they're real kinda of good. Um George Harrison out of the Beatles um got my mind set on you it'd be a real song I'd enjoy, but that was actually uh, written by a man called James Ray. Uh I never knew that was a cover, I won't lie to you. Uh, one that I would have known, and it's a real cheese one out of the bodyguard, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. I knew that was a cover of Dolly Parton's um, going real extreme cheesy on the next one. It'd be, did you ever hear Celine Dion singing It's All Coming Back to Me Now? Um yeah. That was actually Meat Loaf's um, mm. song, and... Um, Jim Steinman was, which mentioned last week when I mentioned the Meatloaf song, uh, he would have writing, I'm nearly sure um, I'm saying this off the top of my head now, I'm not reading it like the other ones Um, I think he would have written that for Meatloaf and would you believe there are actually kind of 50-50 the two versions and Celine Dion went to completely kind of dramatic one on it that her boyfriend died in it in a motorbike crash and uh, the song was kind of set around that where meatloaf kind of went um kind of more kind of a breakup line um judging by the video but they're both brilliant Um one artist that would have done a lot of covers and i'm really surprised i would have gotten kind of into his music but saw him live in Kilkenny and Nolan Park and I thought he it was just a brilliant concert is Rod Stewart Um, Rod Stewart would have done a real vast amount of covers but I think his version of Grace is brilliant
0: Um, yeah that's really um, special.
1: and I mean that's just a brilliant song anyway Um, trying to think of the writer that McCann jim mccann out of the dubliners um and now i actually have to look i'm nearly sure jim mccann wrote that if i'm wrong i sang corrected on it but he would have been possibly around the first one singing it but uh i think rod stewart really does a brilliant version and does a real brilliant version of many a song now yeah
0: fair point um just to go back onto the the um, I'll Always Love You by Whitney Houston. That uh, Dolly Parton she wrote that and she wrote Jolene. You know, song Jolene, Jolene, she wrote that on yeah. they wrote both of them songs on the same day, so she was in clearly on form uh, writing songs that day.
1: <laughs> she's she's such I won't say underestimated because she is, but I mean she's just a phenomenal not only singer i mean this is where i would have come back to do you remember the time i was given out about sampling and all of that it's kind of different if you're using and i feel if you're using kind of an original idea or concept or cover because you're kind of paying respect to the artists that done it so the likes of whitney houston singing the dolly parton song it's kind of paying justice to it i think um but when someone kind of i won't say rips off a song but does kind of a sampling of a song i i personally still think it'd be kind of a lack of respect kind of way so maybe that's another end for a different day anyway yeah
0: well if you want if you want to listen to our argument on that you can go back to episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) Actually, just popped into my head, probably one of the greatest covers of all time is Hurt uh, by Johnny Cash, which is originally yeah. a nine, nine Inch Nails song. Now, um, I actually like Nine Inch Nails. I think that's they do a good uh, version of it. Obviously, it's their song, but uh, it's a lot more, even slower than the Johnny Cash version. But the Johnny Cash version is, you know, probably one of the most iconic covers you could ever have, you know, and he took it, he took it and made it his own. And, you know, to a lot of people, it's his song now, which is kind of a, a great sign of a cover as well.
1: He, he was just a phenomenal artist. I mean, I know there are controversy there, but, uh, I wouldn't know the full extent of it, but it would have been things I would have hearing, but, um, he was just a non-believable artist and it's just, it's a pity that you are just in a different generation that you wouldn't you can only look back or listen back on it, that you just can't go to a kind of a live gig. Actually a sang corrected on the song Grace, I said Jim McCann wrote it. It was actually written by Frank and Sean O'Mara in nineteen eighty five. I would have thinking that uh, Jim McCann would have writing it because he would have been the first one out of the Dubliners, but it was actually written by Frank and Sean O'Mara. Yeah. Um, Isn't that
0: Wolf Tone song
1: though? Uh, yeah, they would have actually. That's a good one. Would the Dubliners? This, wait, if it was written in 1985, the Dubliners would have been. I don't know. Hmm. That's that's a real kind of Wolf Tone is definitely
0: singing it. Yeah. They do,
1: yeah yeah um but it kind of just shows ireland is really batting above their weight kind of if you look at the population size with some of the music that's available i mean they're um it's just we're kind of in a we're just the island of saints and scholars they say so um, there's just some and musicians phenomenal, and musicians exactly <laughs> I kind of class songwriting as scholars. I won't lie to you. I think it's a genius art now. Um, Maybe not sampling them. No, not sampling. (laughs) Far from sampling. That is the thing that. uh, Yeah, I. I can't stand it now. There's some kind of okay, decent, but there's some. I won't curse, but some dire stuff out there maybe a old yeah. but some real dire stuff could be showing your age there <laughs> exactly <laughs> as the, el-
0: the elder man of the podcast
1: a uh, second elder
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's close it's close it's close <laughs> it's, all I'm gonna say. it's all i'm gonna say uh cool tj uh good chats today um hopefully you have a, a good week and uh chatty again when the the dust has settled on the, the Hurland semi finals, and uh, hopefully, we get two great games.
1: Yeah, I know, definitely. It was a pleasure, Robbie. And I make sure uh, I'll be in good form the next time that I won't be after listening to any samples and, of course, celebrating Kilkenny beating Cork again. So, uh, yeah. Oh, shots fired. Shots
0: fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool, Teach. Have a good one, man.
1: Pleasure, Robbie. Thanks a million. Same to you. Right, really? Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye, bye. Bye-bye.